Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome everybody to uh, the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is October 3rd, and we were in Acts chapter 4, looking at verses 32 through Acts chapter 5, verse 11. And this morning in uh, our passage, we have two uh, deeply contrasting stories. We opened up in 42, or excuse me, Acts chapter 4, 32 through 37, with this story about a guy named Barnabas, whose real name is Joseph, but he's so generous that he gets a nickname, Barnabas, son of encouragement by the apostles. And then in Acts chapter 5, we leave Barnabas's story, and Luke picks up with the story of Ananias and Sapphira and offers us this deeply contrasting picture. Instead of generosity, he gives us this picture of deep selfishness. And, and so we wrestled through this passage here this morning. We've got, it, we've got some really good questions ahead of us. And today I'm joined by our worship pastor, Chris Akers. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is great. Well, so Chris, this is a stark, right? We, get, we, go, from, we go from Barnabas, son of encouragement, Selling a field in Cyprus, selling some some luxury property in Cyprus, resort property, and, uh, and, and he gives his, and then he he gives all of it uh, as others were already doing. Barnabas mm-hmm. isn't the first to do this, right? As we said this morning, but then we get this really contrasting and uncomfortable picture about Ananias and Sapphira, and specifically they died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we have we were chatting ahead of uh, our podcast a little bit about how how stark this picture is mm-hmm. and how it leaves us uncomfortable. I mean, just as you read that passage and you look at, they just died. Uh, what, what resonates or, or kind of stirs up in you uh, in that moment? Yeah, several things. I think initially I, I receive it just as anybody else would, especially with modern eyes and ears and sensibilities. <laughs> you read this and think, wait, this sounds like God of fire and brimstone. This, this, this yeah. doesn't sound like the... Jesus I was just reading about, or at least that I've been convinced yeah. of, why is he so harsh on these these two right. when he's so gracious so often yeah. in the New Testament? So that's the first thing that, that stirs in my mind, and I think just about anybody yeah. reading today is, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah. I, that's, a great, that's a great question, and I think, honestly, it shocked Ananias and Sapphira. Mm. It, I think I think you know as we try to explain the logistics of this passage, like we'll go. That's probably the first thing we we recognize in this passage. Why is God doing this? Why isn't He patient? Why doesn't He give them a chance? I think Peter is as shocked that it happened this way in this passage. I don't think Peter was expecting that. I think you know uh, Ananias comes to Peter, and God gives him this gift of knowledge to know what's going on in Peter's heart. Peter just calls him out as God showed him. Yeah. And he's probably expecting Ananias to repent. Mm. <laughs> and instead, Ananias is, I, I think, in most commentators and scholars think, Ananias died on the spot from a heart attack. Mm. That he had such lofty expectations of public praise mm. that when he didn't receive that, it was such a great shock to him that he dies of a heart attack on the spot. Yeah. Literally dies of shock. And when Sapphira, his wife, comes in, which, by the way, that sends the community scrambling, and they they got to go bury Ananias, mm. and and then Sapphira comes three hours later, and she is also asked a question, given a chance to respond, does not repent, does not own her sin, and Peter says, "Hey, by the way, I already know, right? You are trying to deceive God, yeah. and your husband has already been buried." 
mm. and she then dies of shock and a heart mm. attack as well, right? So I think I think just as much as it shocks us, I think we we need to remember that it, it I think it shocked this community as well, and it, it showed them just who God that God really is. He really is powerful and he really is sovereign. If he's if he's powerful and sovereign enough to raise the dead, mm. he's powerful and sovereign to to know the very inner workings of my heart. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And it kind of that sets up our conversation here. We've got this question. Uh, why does God not punish selfishness and deceit today as he did then, especially in his church? And we've seen some some deep brokenness within the church, right? Um, it, it, deep abuses that have gone on in mm-hmm. the church. And, and really they're forms of hypocr- hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is when we are actively pretending to be something we're not so as to deceive somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, as you wrestle with that, Chris, what, what, what would you answer to this question? Why does God not punish selfishness and deceit as starkly and as quickly as he seemed to with Ananias and Sapphira? I think my first question would be to question myself. Do, do, do I, mm. is, is that, is that true? Is it true that he doesn't punish? Yeah. I, I think we ought, we don't often see uh, a case like Ananias and Sapphira, and we certainly don't have somebody writing in the Bible for us. This is why this happened. Right. But uh, you just mentioned several high profile within the church. Yeah. F- moral failings that have, completely ruined the yeah. lives, the careers of the people that were involved. And not only that, but really destroyed to, to, or at least decimated the churches that they were part of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so his timing was different. Yeah. It, the scripture's clear about uh, our understanding of the word soon versus God's understanding. Yeah. And he, he moves as he will and when he will. But I, I definitely would, would at least question whether he, he doesn't, punish yeah uh, even even as we see how steadfast he is and how long-suffering and gracious he is yeah. slow he is yeah um, I, he's still the holy god that we see which is also why this is such a, a jarring moment because mm-hmm. the longer we think about it i had to think about it for a while reading it i realized no this isn't inconsistent yeah with the lord you read the scripture yeah this this is consistent with his holiness yeah and 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 him knowing the inner the inner heart and yeah so I, yeah what what do you think yeah i think i think you're right and part of me is i'm i hear this question and i'm thinking about it too is that what feels stark to us is the way that luke records it it's 11 mm-hmm. verses yeah <laughs> that's yeah. not a Good long word. time it's yeah. a paragraph we don't know how long ananias and sapphira plotted this how many mm. conversations did they have how many other conversations did they have where they willfully deceived others? Like, we don't know any of those mm-hmm. background circumstances. Mm-hmm. Luke is recording this for us so that we get the, the high-level picture of what's going on in the church. And God is making a statement. I am God of the universe. I'm strong enough to save you, and I am strong enough to call you to the carpet, right? I am strong enough. I know the very inner workings of your heart. And I think even as you, as you mentioned, why, do we, why would we—we we may not know the timing of God— but when, when, when we are called out for our sin yeah. and when our sin catches up to us, do we, do we have the perspective that it was man catching up to us and finally coming to the conclusion? Mm. Or is it that God is the one calling yeah. us out for our yeah. sin? So like, yeah. I think the, the illustration here, as we talked a little bit about, was that if I get caught cheating on my taxes, 
Mm. As a Christian, why would I perceive that the IRS finally got savvy to my mm. <laughs> to my uh, my extra deductions? Yeah. Why would I not think that it wasn't the very hand of God in my life to craft holiness in me? Mm. You know, so that I would see him rightly, and he wants me to be honest, not so that I can brag about how I evade the IRS IRS on my taxes, right? Mm. And so, whenever those things catch up to us, I, I think we need to be uh, we need to realize that that it's it is the act of God to call mm-hmm. us out and call us up uh, out of our sin. And yet, there are times I think when we look at the world around us and we go, "Oh well, God, why wouldn't you act a little bit more swiftly?" Sure, and and that's. Uh, and that's that's just where we wrestle with the the long suffering nature of God that we love so much for ourselves, mm-hmm. and yet we we wonder why is He doing that? Why is He why is He not being a little more swiftly? Um, it's just it's just a hard it's hard for us because we don't know the times or the plans mm. of the Lord completely. But yeah. the more we approach those things with open hands, we I think we find comfort in as we've been talking about this morning and in, in, yeah. in the sermon the sovereignty. Yeah. The Lord, okay, I don't know why. Yeah. And I think that's okay to sometimes say, I don't know yeah. why this timing and why this exact way, but we see here in this in this account in Acts that God has used this as a firm reminder yeah. of who he is. And I love that you even use the phrase craft holiness. Mm. It's not like he wasn't doing that already. These these two were members of the body who were all yeah. one together sharing. Yeah. And then in this moment, he did a divine work of crafting holiness in yes, them. Yes, he did. Um, he knows the end of the story, but uh, that, that gives me comfort when I can't explain the world around me. God is sovereign, and he will bring the right result yeah. of justice at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And, and our future and our hope isn't mm. exclusively in this moment. It is also a much a greater future hope that he will restore all things. He'll right all wrongs. So even the injustice that I experience on this side of heaven, if I never perceivingly receive justice for that now, mm. I will receive justice for that then. Yeah. And God will right all wrongs. I think the other the other thing about this is that we often treat God as if we have duped him or deceived him, mm. that we've been able to hide sin from him. And and the reality is we we haven't. Uh, Paul tells us uh, in in Romans and in First Corinthians that God that everyone will be held accountable for the for the for the years of their lives, right? Mm. And and even as Christians, we will be held accountable for our sin. Now the only difference between Christians and non Christians is that is that there's one advocating for us. Yes. Right? And it's Praise not that God, God forgives us and forgets our sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that he forgives us and acquits us of our sin. Mm. And so mm. he holds the charges no longer against us. So God will God will have justice uh, you know and we should also not underestimate that when we experience that now even if it doesn't feel like God was divinely doing it, mm. uh, we we believe that He orchestrates the days of our lives, and so absolutely, um, so He He is acting in that way. Uh, second follow up question here: uh, Why don't we still see the consistent radical healings that were present back then? So, chapter four, we had this radical healing of the man uh, who who was lame for forty plus years, sitting outside the the gate called Beautiful in the temple. Peter and John roll up on him. They, they heal him. Uh, well, Jesus heals him, right? They, they proclaim in the name of Jesus and Jesus does the healing preach. Um, so why don't we see the radical consistent radical healings that were present back then, especially from those who God shows favor to example, the apostles and their, and their followers. Um, Chris, you, you've got a, a good thought on this. We were talking about this a little bit as well of, well, 
what we may not see them in our context, but are we looking at the whole global body? So why don't you why don't you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I think it's worth as you approach these these miraculous radical healings that you read about in the scripture. Sometimes it's worth noting how old was that person? How long were they waiting? Yeah. Okay. Forty years. Yeah. Thirty years. This person laid by the by the pool. Yeah. Right before Jesus shows up on the scene. So. Uh, like you highlighted earlier, Luke describes this thing in 11, 11 verses. Yeah. But what led up to that? How long was it? So that's helpful to, to note. Uh, yeah. what, what seems like it's immediate and all the time in the scripture might actually have happened over a long chunk of time yeah. and probably involved a lot of moments of them wondering, is this ever going to happen? Yeah. Um, and how many people didn't get healed? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and again, that comes back to the sovereignty of the Lord for his greater purpose. Yeah. And that's maybe painful for, for somebody who, if, if you're a person who hasn't been healed of it. I, I think we've all got something that we're praying about yes. that we wish would go away. Yes. That hasn't yet. Yeah. Because God's either, he's He's uh, sanctifying us or or he, he, it's part of his broader plan. And there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason. Um, and, and then, yeah, like you and I were talking about off off air here. Yeah. Um, I think I think we run into trouble when we look around at our immediate context and say this isn't happening anymore. Yeah, I, I think we can we can we know people that have gone on short term missions to other countries. Uh, if if you are mm-hmm. connected on social media, mm-hmm. you've probably seen somebody in another. God is just moving in unique ways around the world, and we don't see all of it. Yeah. So I I think I would be hesitant to say God's not healing like this yeah. anymore. In fact, I mean I've while I've never been present for somebody uh, where I've seen, oh, that was a healing. Yeah. Their, their, their broken leg is, is healed now. Yeah. Um, I've spoken with people who were riddled with cancer, mm-hmm. and then it just went away, just yeah. disappeared. Yeah. And, and so when, whenever I start to question, well, how come this doesn't happen anymore? Yeah. Um, those people stand as kind of reminder stones yeah. for me. Like that, yeah. No, no, he does. We couldn't explain why that happened. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some a- thoughts on that. No, yeah. I think amen to that, man. I think, you know, again, what we see in the, in the world, in the broader global body of Christ, especially in closed countries, mm-hmm. um, I've got a, a yes. one of my, one of my good friends works for an organization called East West International, and they focus on reaching unreached people groups. And this is what they see. They see radical gifts of healing and prophecy and even tongues, people sharing the gospel in a language, a physical language that is not their own. And the people listening go, how do you know my language? Mm-hmm. And the person, the person speaking go, is still going, I don't know your language, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think we do see some of these gifts. Um, but the purpose of it that we have to ask is, well, why did God do it then? Mm-hmm. And why would God do it now? And why God did it then was to demonstrate who he was, right? Everybody looking at that could not, uh, argue against that it, this is the action of the divine. Amen. Right. This is the one true God in at work. This is this is the one who defeated the grave in the resurrection. And in, in his name there is power for healing. I, I often wonder that in the 21st century Western world, that when we see those miraculous healings, often they have been built as such a sideshow experience mm-hmm. that I wonder if it, it, you know that in God's economy if he doesn't, he's working in other ways to reveal that he is God. And so why we may not see them as frequently in our context, 
Uh, well, we're not we're not really wired intellectually for them. We, we're more skeptical of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's why God doesn't isn't doesn't seem to be doing that in in the Western context. But I know in the non-Western context, in in places that are closed to the gospel formally, right? There's political persecution. There's 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 significant stories that come out of those places of people uh, having visions, yes. healing, uh, tongues, those kind of things. And so I think. I think, you know, God is going to make himself known and he will make himself known however he desires to it in a way that is relevant and meaningful to the people of that context and culture. And so, yeah, so so I think as you mentioned, we see it around the global body. It may not be in our local context, but yet how many folks have have we leaned into and said, they said, I had cancer and it was gone. Mm -hmm. I had a student one time that had a serious heart condition and right before open heart surgery, uh, they they did another check to make sure everything was there. You know, they did one more check on it, and it was gone. Mm. And the night before, we had prayed for him. Right. Wow. So so God still works in these ways. We I, I think the way that that we would phrase it theologically is that we're open but cautious. Mm. Right. We don't want to run towards everything. Mm-hmm. We want to test it out. We want to know what's true and of 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 the Lord. But we are we are open to God working in these ways to make Himself make Himself known. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Another, another question. Uh, when, uh, when we manage God's gifts, do I make them better or does he make them better as he uses them through me? Uh, so it was, just comes out our, the last, last slide kind of final conclusion of the sermon today was talking about four ways that we view our lives. Uh, and, and so the last one is, is we are managers. We're managing God's resources because they were never ours to begin with, right? Our time or talents or treasures, we manage them and we cooperate with God to make them better. So, you know, I think this, this is a question of autonomy and a question of, of freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chris, in your life, how, how do you, how have you experienced cooperating with God and then, and then being fulfilled or contented in that? It's mm, a great setup. I, I think I see it as, oh, and so often you'll hear it. Just, just he gives you the opportunity. Yeah. And your choice is to say yes or no. Yeah. Um, he's given you a certain level of ability. It might not be all that you think you need. Yeah. But you have a choice to say yes or no yeah. to this thing. And then usually what I find is that he um, augments, mm-hmm. he, he perfects, he uses what meager talent I have yeah. and uses it exactly how he intended yeah. in, in whatever scenario I'm, I'm, I'm approaching. Yeah. And, and, and in that, I grow in my understanding of why he gave me the talents and mm-hmm. even the desire to sharpen and, and hone and perfect so that it's better the next time I get a chance to say yes yeah. to his calling. Yeah. 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 I think you're right, right? We are called to cooperate with the spirit of God. Uh, I think here the point of that is, is being a manager is to recognize my posture, and my position before the Lord. So Chris, you, you're a phenomenal musician. <laughs> Way better than I am. I'm handing him cash under the table <laughs> right now. Right, um, you've practiced, you've you've honed those skills uh, to to bring glory to God. Mm. Right, so you're managing the giftings that God gave you naturally to to accelerate them to bring Him more honor and to bring Him more glory, not to point back to yourself. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's what this question is asking. How do we manage that tension? Mm-hmm. Right. God calls us to cooperate with Him. He's given He gives us a sense of autonomy. That is a sense mm-hmm. of freedom. That we're not robots. 
He doesn't force us to do anything. Um, but so when God, the, the, our time, our talents, our treasure, those are the resources that are blessings from God. We are to cooperate then with him. And, and if it's a, if it's a talent and are we, are we honing it? Are we increased? Are we actively, you know, trying to honor God with that in excellence? You know, uh, if you never practiced guitar or uh, singing throughout the week and then just showed up on a Sunday, how would it go? It'd be rough. Pe- right. People would run for the hills, I think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. I, I mean, or or if, you know, preaching or whatever, whatever. We those are very visible things in mm-hmm. the church. Um, what about if I never practiced being a listener? Like that's yeah. something that I've had to practice a lot in my mm-hmm. life. Is how do I become a better listener? Because then I can, if I give somebody the gift of presence, yeah. right? If I'm giving you the gift of presence, but I'm only talking at you, that's not very helpful. <laughs> so how do I be? How do I hone? How do I grow in something that God can help me to do so that uh, so that I can increase his glory? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not increasing his glory by my own efforts, but I'm participating and cooperating with God in gospel opportunities by being a good listener to then reflect the generosity and grace of God. Yeah. You know, and so I think I think that's if we if we see our lives as managers, we put God in his right place as sovereign king. Yeah. Everything comes from him. But then our efforts to cooperate and to cooperate with excellence are actually poured back as a as an offering of praise and gratitude, yeah. you know. And so, um, so yeah. So uh, God does make them better, uh, and He uses them through me. But there's also an action of, of active cooperation mm-hmm. um, in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Chris, man, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the uh, on the Beyond the Sermon podcast here today and just chewing on some of these ideas. Great questions. Good to chew on. Yeah, they help us really, really, as we say, uh, create a dialogue uh, with mm-hmm. the text here this morning. So, well, we'll be back next Sunday. We'll see you then.